Last weekend, a British journalist captured the attention of Taiwan's president with this tweet. You all better come to Taiwan after this pandemic is over. The president replied, We can't wait to share Taiwan's natural beauty with our friends around the world. We hope everyone can stay safe during this difficult time. Taiwan will be here for you once we've beaten the pandemic. Now, as you may guess, Taiwan has already started planning for post-COVID travel. And we'll be telling you all about that in today's show. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Andrew Ryan. Let's check out the stories on our radar. President Tsai Ing-wen has once again made Forbes magazine's list of the world's 100 most powerful women. She's number 37 on this year's list and eighth in the category for political figures and policymakers. The magazine talks about Tsai's policies toward the U.S. and China, as well as her leadership through the COVID-19 pandemic. Taiwan's favorite triathlete has done it again. Norwegian athlete Gustav Eden became an overnight sensation in Taiwan last year after he won an event while wearing a hat emblazoned with the name of a Taiwanese temple. The people at the temple are so proud. He held on to that lucky cap and has now won his third triathlon wearing it, this time in the U.S. A group of hikers found an anteater that had jumped a fence and escaped from the Taipei Zoo in September. The anteater is back home at the zoo, a kilogram lighter for the wear, but finally safe. They fed her her favorite matcha cake to welcome her home. And it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in Taiwan. One of the most famous sites is the historic Wanjin Catholic Church in the southern county of Pingdong. A display of lights on the church facade is bringing a bit of seasonal cheer to this tropical corner of Taiwan. If you had to sell Taipei as a tourist destination, how would you sell it? Well, we have a lot of great food, beautiful scenery, a lot of friendly people. Mm-hmm. Do you think of nature? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't usually think of nature. I nope. think of it as a big city. Um, so actually, there's this brand new trail, which is called Taipei Grand Trail. It's a hiking trail, and it's going to be featured in a National Geographic program this weekend. Check it out. A 92-kilometer hike. This is the Taipei Grand Trail. The mountains of Taipei are home to incredible ancient forests. The Taipei Grand Trail is 92 kilometers long. It travels through the mountains that surround Taipei. You can do the hike in one go, but even better, it's split into seven sections, easily accessible by public transport, and each section can be completed in a day. One-third of the trail is located in Yangmingshan National Park. It links some of Taipei's most popular scenic spots with places of cultural interest. To promote the Taipei Grand Trail, the city government reached out to National Geographic. It took director Yang Shou-yi and celebrity couple Cindy Chen and Benjamin Wong a year and three months to explore the trail's hidden gems and capture the different seasons on camera. Taipei Mayor Koenja has himself walked the trail to experience a beautiful perspective of Taipei that few people have yet to see. The mayor says he hopes the video will introduce the beauty of Taipei, especially to foreign tourists. The Taipei Grand Trail documentary is set to air on the National Geographic Channel on December 12th at 10 p.m. Taiwan time. It will broadcast simultaneously in over 30 Asian countries. And now let's move on to an award-winning ad called Taiwan, the perfect solo destination for culture and small towns. 
What do you think of the ad, Andrew? Well, it's certainly beautifully shot, right? It is. What I think is amazing about it, though, is you can actually land at Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport, the main airport in Taiwan, and within like an hour or so, you can be in a small town. Uh, whether or not that's realistic, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you could definitely do you it. You can. But I'm I sure probably it is would, realistic. I'd go to the hotel first. Yeah. <laughs> Check in. Well, she was at a stopover, right? <laughs> that's and true. And she went to Sansha, she went to Inga. Got to see the mountains. I think it's great. A lot of small towns. Uh, that's one of the big themes this year, actually. Mm, small town tourism. Right. Yeah. So a lot of great things to see at small towns in Taiwan. Now, next year is going to be the year of cycling. Have a look at this stunning award-winning ad. How far can two wheels take me? Taiwan, the heart of Asia. Now that makes me want to go cycling. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. How about a bus ride, Natalie? I like cycling, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to be on the road and see, feeling the wind in your hair and everything. You can definitely appreciate uh, the beauty at a slower pace, I think. Right, yeah. right. Now, uh, here's another idea. Grab them by the nostalgia. I want to show you a video of one local bus company and what it's doing to bring back the tourists. There used to be a saying in Taiwan, in the skies you have China Airlines, and on the ground you have the Jinma Express. And for many people, it was the impeccably dressed bus attendants who left an impression. They were a fixture of the Jinma Express ever since it launched in 1959. Now on the 60th anniversary of the Central Cross Island Highway, one local bus company is bringing back the attendants. They hired four students from a local university and one of the original bus attendants to train them. We have to look at our script, help customers and watch the traffic, she says. It's easy to get motion sickness. Another attendant says that older passengers often share with them memories of days gone by. If you want to take one of the special buses, the tickets are hard to come by. They make only four trips every weekend along the Central Cross Island Highway. This transportation fan, surnamed Lin, bought his ticket two months ago and then rode his scooter for two hours just to ride the bus. It was worth it, he says, because he's never been on a bus with attendants before. They also offer professional introductions to the scenery between Guguan and Lishan, a road that's closed to most travelers. This special service only lasts until the end of December. It's a rare opportunity to see a beautiful part of Taiwan and experience bus travel as the previous generations did. So those are some very creative ways that Taiwan is promoting tourism. Which was your favorite? I like the cycling. The cycling one? Yeah. That was definitely beautifully shot. Uh, so up next, we're going to go into hashtag Taiwan. Tis the season for social media challenges. That seems to be the case in Taiwan, at least. Over the past month, I've done hashtag Taiwans on two popular challenges. There was the write a sentence with built-in audio challenge where people tried to use words to elicit sounds. Then the misspell my name challenge last episode. Those challenges dealt with sights and sounds. This week's challenge deals with taste. People in Taiwan are sharing foods that they don't like. It's called the hashtag 世界上不该存在的食物 challenge, which means hashtag foods that shouldn't exist on this planet challenge. 
I mean, talk about going nuclear. You're not even trying to accommodate other people's tastes. You're straight up saying these foods should not exist. I mean, I personally have problems with pineapple on pizza, but that doesn't mean I go around ridiculing people for loving it. Well, actually, that's not true. You know what? This challenge is all right. So what kind of food do people hate in Taiwan? For one, a lot of people dislike san se dou, which is a chopped corn, carrot, and pea medley. It's a vegetable combination common in Taiwan used in school lunches and boxed meals. You can usually find them in the frozen section. I mean, I don't mind it, but man, people act like it stole their lunch money in the third grade. William Ingwei Xie included a screenshot from a news report that said the medley was a children's favorite. He called it fake news and included the hashtag we're talking about today. However, without a doubt, the most commonly despised food is cilantro. I don't know if it's common in other places, but this doesn't come as much of a surprise to me. People in Taiwan are very opinionated about cilantro. Heck, someone online is even trying to sell a shirt that says, "If you eat cilantro, you'll die." Apparently, there's a scientific reason for all of this. Many studies have shown that a hate for cilantro might be genetic. People with a certain gene may register cilantro as having a soapy taste. I don't have that gene, or do I? Maybe I just like eating soap. Here is one post that got me really concerned. Ma Youqian says she doesn't like green vegetables. Carrots, mushrooms, vegetable-type melons, peppers, taro, woodier fungus, and of course cilantro. I mean, I hope she gets enough dietary fiber. Is all I'm saying. You know how people say you learn something new every day? Well, today I learned something horrific. Chen Shi said the food that shouldn't exist is pineapple woodier fungus stir-fry. Pineapple woodier fungus stir-fry. At first, I thought this was some kind of sick joke. I thought this person was just coming up with the gnarliest food combination they could think of and putting them together in a way they should never be joined. And then I got curious and found out that this dish is actually a thing. Yes, pineapple wood ear fungus stir fry is real, ladies and gentlemen. And here's my reaction when I found out. Oh, oh, oh! You put ginger and garlic in it? Oh, that's so wrong. Oh, and you make it spicy, of course. Why wouldn't you put peppers in there? This is so much worse than pineapple on pizza. Oh, this was a mistake. Just finding out about this was a huge mistake. Oh, some has meat in it. Oh, it's no, can't do this. Oh, oh. Anyway, this week we have an insider connection because Jessica Cheng, the woman who edits our show, participated in this week's challenge. She said she doesn't eat sweet peppers, bitter melon, or eggplant. I mean, bitter melon I get, but sweet peppers and eggplant? Hey, Jessica, Jessica. Hey, ask you, ask you. Why do you like fried chicken? Because fried chicken is very disgusting. No, if you have to eat fried chicken, then you say red, white, green, red, you want to eat which one? I don't eat. You don't eat? I don't eat. Why do you like cheese? Because cheese looks very disgusting. You look at it, you don't want to eat. Yes. The taste of it is very disgusting. The taste of it? 葡萄可以，但是它是水果啊。葡萄是水果，可是水水果跟蔬菜没什么大的差别啊。有差很多。差很多。蔬菜有蔬有一股菜味。<笑>那那苦瓜的话，你是纯粹不喜欢它，是因为它苦的原因吗？对，它太苦了。所以你不太吃苦。So with the addition of this latest challenge, we now have challenges that deal with sight, 
hearing, and taste. I'm gonna go ahead and guess that the next challenges will deal with smell and touch. Are we gonna have a challenge about smells that make us nostalgic, like how camphor oil makes me think about my grandma's house? Oh, or maybe we'll make a list of things that you touch but are underrated, like a warm pile of laundry on a cold winter evening. What do you think? What might the next big social media challenge in Taiwan be? Today's brain game is called Trim That Tree. And as you can see, we have a Christmas tree with us here in the studio. And Natalie and Leslie are going to work together to put some decorations on it. So, Leslie looks nervous already. You okay? I don't like these brain games. I just don't. That's why I love these brain games. So, how are they going to decorate the tree? Of course, they're not just going to simply put ornaments on it. So, I'm going to explain this to you. Natalie has a box here. Now, inside the box, we have eight ornaments which are uniquely Taiwanese. Every single ornament looks like something from Taiwan. So what's going to happen is, Leslie, you're going to be uh, putting oh, on the blinders. Come on. <laughs> oh, this is bad. <laughs> and what's going to happen is uh, now you can go ahead and remove the cover from the box. We're going to put 90 seconds on the clock, and when I say go, that's when we'll begin. But first, I want you to just imagine, Leslie, that she's going to hold up something. You can hold up the first one. Um, and what's going to happen is she's going to describe it to you without saying what it is. Oh, So if it's a boba tea, she can't say this is a boba tea. I can say you can drink it. Yes, but you can't say it's a drink. Okay, and then when he... So if he guesses it correctly, then you, uh, and of course he's holding it and touching it so he can ah. guess what they are too, right? And then if he guesses it correctly, then we'll have him put it on the tree. <laughs> oh, <that laughs> Once hurts. he puts it on the tree, then you can go on to the next one. Okay. So I can describe it without saying exactly what it is. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm in the holiday spirit. Okay. Why not? Are you guys ready? Let's do this, Andrew. Oh, wait, that's not you. Sorry, that's the tree. All right. Yay. Go. Our favorite mascot. Uh, uh, oh, Tony's Black Bear? Yes. Ah. Yes. <laughs> there you go, Good. buddy. Okay. What everybody cooks with. Uh, um, uh, 大同电锅. Yeah, that's, oh. that's right. An electric it's steamer. An electric pot. steamer. Yeah. Right. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm vibing. In their home, what they wear on their sh uh, foot? Uh, slippers, uh, the blue white slippers. That's right. Uh, Put them on the front, Leslie. You're pretty much inside. It's all the same to me. I don't know if I'm a front, back, left, right. It's I'm all, all disoriented. I can't. Okay, now. This is how Andrew gets to work. A scooter. That's right. Is, go is it a Gogoro scooter? That's it's not uh -oh. a Gogoro. Uh -oh. This uh -oh. is not a Gogoro. I lost the loop. Oh, Leslie. I, uh, uh -oh. Okay, okay, okay. This is what we like to eat at, um, at the Dragon Boat Festival. Uh, uh, sticky rice dumplings. Yes, yeah, very good. Okay. Songzi. Okay. Oh okay. <laughs> okay. 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 This is a popular, very healthy superfruit. Um, which is like Pitaya, mango, uh, guava. Yeah. Yes. Ah, very okay. good. Okay. 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 We're doing good. We're doing good. This is, I think this is what a mode of transportation for um, Aboriginal people. Oh, um, this is uh, like a like a canoe, like a yeah. boat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, Leslie. You're you're killing it. You're doing great. I, um, like awesome. when you take away the sense of sight, the the senses and are high. Okay. This is a delicious food. It's chewy. It's a dessert. Mochi. Yes. Ah. Wow. Nice. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> With just seven seconds left to spare. How'd nice. I do? Wait, wait. Here's the yeah, reveal. Here's the reveal. Have a look. Wow. Maybe. A certain angle. How, how about we turn the tree <laughs> yeah, just a go. little bit nice, so everyone uh, can see it? 
It's a nice spread, <laughs> except oh, I think nice. uh, that, that that stinky rice dumpling dumpling's a little lonely. This one over here. Wow, That's I can't believe I didn't overlap them. Very That's pretty good. good. Good description, Natalie. Well, I'm you impressed. Very well. So if you want to, uh, I you know the great suggestion I have for you all is if you want to decorate your Christmas tree with some uniquely Taiwanese ornaments, you can buy keychains. Mm. Ah. So you just go to any tourist shop, you buy little keychains, and they make great Christmas ornaments. That's what you did, right? Yeah, that's great, great man. Idea. That's a great idea. Wow. So there you go. That's a very Taiwan Christmas tree. I tell you what, we are all in desperate need of a vacation. <laughs> so our final question today is we're going to ask, uh, where would you most like to go right now in Taiwan? Let's start with you, Leslie. Um, funny you should mention this because on the way into work, I was just thinking, I would love to go to a place with no rain. <laughs> It's oh, been raining well, for. See, it's not raining here. Uh, inside, but inside. like outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking. I haven't. I can't remember the last time I saw the sun. It's only been a couple weeks. I, right? I still can't remember. <laughs> and then after I made this, I was just like, I wonder where it's not raining, and the entire Taiwan is raining right now. Oh so. man. Oh. Well, Natalie, where do you want to go in the I rain? I would love to be. Well, not in the rain, but I would love to be swimming with the turtles Ooh. in Xiaoliuzhou. Oh, so wonderful. That place. is a great, great place to go. Nice place wonderful. to relax. Uh, this is probably no surprise to any of you if you know me well. Taidong. Oh. I want to go home, man. <laughs> so every year at the end of the year, December 31st, the Puyuma tribe uh, celebrates the hunting festival. So that's where I'll be heading very soon. That's real cool. cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can go to some of these places really soon as well. We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Taiwan Insider. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Yes, and if you like our program, subscribe and leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. For Taiwan Insider, I am Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao. And I'm Andrew Ryan. See you next week. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. When people think of traveling to Taiwan, they may think of big destinations like the Taipei 101, Ali San, which is gorgeous, and the Sun Moon Lake. These are all great sights to see. But today we're going to talk about a different way to see Taiwan. For the past three years, Taiwan's Tourism Bureau has been promoting its classic small towns program. It has selected a hundred classic towns that all have their own unique charm. Now, going to a small town is not the usual way people travel. People usually go to the biggest cities, the most famous sites. So today we have an expert with us, an expert traveler, that is, Ro Lu, to share how to enjoy traveling via small towns. 
So first, Rolu shares how we as travelers should approach this type of tourism. What's different about traveling to small towns? When we look at all the small towns on the list, we may be surprised to find some of them, such as Yunnan's Kohu. Most people have no special impression of it. Also in Zhanghua, most people think of the town Lugang, which is by the sea. But the town on the list is a lot less known, Fangyan, which is further south. So if you're traveling to these small towns, you need to change your expectations. It's not going to be full of people or visitors like popular destinations. So the first difference is there are a lot less people around. Second, there are not going to be a lot of signs showing you how to get to popular sites as there are in big destinations. No signs, few people. Then what is there to see? Rolu tells us more. So it's really as if you're going to a remote place to discover what's there. There are a lot of hidden gems there, such as traces of old historic days and delicious small eateries. You can also have more interaction with the local people. When you're traveling to small towns, I'd suggest you do more homework. Their sites are not so obvious and not all clustered together. Actually, when you go there, you can change your pace into slow living. You know, lojas. That's a part of the experience. That's one of the reasons we go to these small towns. To get away from city life and the business of things, and to just stop, breathe, and enjoy what's around you. Slow living. I really like that, and that's the kind of perspective small towns can give us, especially if we live in the cities. And I think this is the case wherever you are in the world. Small towns and remote places can give us a new perspective on how we live. Visiting these small towns is really a different experience. It's as if time stops and we see our country in a totally different light. We discover Taiwan is not really just what we think it is. There really are so many hidden sites and culture that we have yet to discover. Now, 2021 will be the year of cycling in Taiwan. Also, Taiwan will continue to recommend its 100 classic small towns. 36 of these towns have trains passing through them, and 64 have charming and scenic bike paths. Next, travel expert Rolu is going to recommend some wonderful small towns in northern, central, and southern Taiwan. But first, let's take a breather to enjoy some music from Cinema Paradiso, a classic movie about a small town story.
Taiwan Today with Natalie So. You're listening to Taiwan Today, and I'm Natalie So. Now, the Tourism Bureau is promoting a hundred classic small towns in Taiwan, and all of these places are worth venturing to. But today, we have an expert with us, Ro Lu, who recommends a few in different parts of Taiwan, and he starts with the north. For northern Taiwan, I'd recommend Sanxia. Why? Most people just go to their famous old street and leave. That's a nice place to visit, but there is much more to see. You can travel to a place near the highway called Yanshan. It's near the big old clock and is about an hour's walk or a short drive from the old street. If you walk up there, you can see a spectacular view of all of Taipei and New Taipei. You can see all the cities below Highway Three. We all want to have the experience of seeing the entire city from above. That's what you get at Yuanshan. It's really unforgettable and worth the trip. Sanxia also has a beautiful silver waterfall that not many people know about. I highly recommend seeing it. So when we go to these small towns, we need to forget the popular destinations and look beyond that. For example, everyone goes to the old street in Sanxia. In Inga, everyone goes to the ceramics museum. You need to go beyond this and go deeper and discover the special gems that are hidden in these towns. The 100 classic towns that made it on the tourism bureau's list are all like this. They all have some special places worth venturing to. Sounds pretty good, huh? And I bet that's the case all over the world. That there are wonderful small towns to discover. We'll hear what Rolu recommends for central and southern Taiwan next. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire, or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one: What platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two: Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three. Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four: What are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan one 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 nine nine, or send it via email. Our email address is audience zero one. At rti.org.tw, that's audience and the numbers zero and one at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. You're listening to Taiwan today, and I'm Natalie So, and we're talking about small town travel. The Tourism Bureau is recommending a hundred classic small towns in Taiwan to go to, and we have a travel expert here today, Rolu, who is giving us his pick. 
Now, this is what he recommends for central Taiwan. In central Taiwan, I recommend Zhushan. Why do you go there? You can go to the old street there. When you do, you'll really feel as if time stopped. It's really like it was in the 1950s and 60s. There's not a lot of people, but there is a lot of traditional architecture, sounds, and food. I love their breakfast. Their egg crepes are the wet kind, which taste kind of like oyster omelets. They also have a specially salted junzai guo. It's an egg crepe wrapped around turnip cakes. It's delicious, and they only have it in this town. They're sold in boxes and just really tasty. After breakfast, you can go into the mountains. They have a place called Dream Bamboo Forest. It's like a beautiful green tunnel. When I went there, I thought, "Wow, such a beautiful sight with no crowds." It's like a scene from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So there are actually a lot of beautiful bamboo forests in Zhushan. It's incredible that there are so many beautiful sites like that, and not too many people know about them. A scene from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Not too bad, I'd say, for a small town. Now Rolu tells us where we should go in southern Taiwan. Now, if we go further south, you can go to Tainan. I'd recommend Beimun or North Gate. There are beautiful salt hills there that go up to your waist. There are 99 of them, and get this: there's a sunset right behind them. It's breathtaking. You can also see them from above. It's really a sight to see, and nothing like it anywhere else in Taiwan. There are always a lot of aunties climbing on the hills. In Beimun, you can also eat their famous simu fish and taste all the different dishes made from the famous fish: fish sausage, simu fish soup, and so much more. These are only sold in Beimun. They are really creative with what they can do with their local specialty. It's all so delicious. When people go to Beimun, they usually go to the Quinsha Plaza. But basically, what you see there is just the usual and what you'd expect. But if you go to the salt fields, you'll really be stunned by its beauty, and it has a 100-year-old history too. It's really a sight you can't see anywhere else. Now let's move on to Taiwan's pristine east coast. On the east coast, there are two towns that made the list: Hualien's Xincheng and Taidong's Beinan. So let me tell you about Hualien's Xincheng. What's special about it? Well, when people think of gold mines, they think of Jingguashi in the north. But the east coast also has a history of gold mining, and that's when Xincheng was a busy hub. It has an old street there, and you can see traditional Japanese-style architecture. There's also a quaint old photo shop and a lot of other unique places to see. At the end of the old street, you can go where a lot of couples used to go on their dates. It brings you to a beautiful beach. You can walk on the bike path there. The view is gorgeous, and you can see the famous Seven Star Beach from there as well. What's amazing about it is there are no people around. It is a beautiful view of the ocean. It's truly gorgeous. Most people go to Seven Star Beach when they go to Hualien, but Xincheng's beach and ocean views are just as scenic. A lot of people go there for the lemon juice and then just leave. They don't know about the great view on the bike path. There are actually a lot of benches along that path that all have a great view of the ocean. So that's the place where you need to drink your lemon juice. You'll see the waves hit the big rocks. The sounds of the waves hitting the rocks and the view is stunning. As we talk about the joys of small town travel, travel expert Rolu tells us about a memory he has talking to someone in a small town.
One of the best things about traveling is while you're walking around or eating a local specialty, it's great to be able to chat with the local people there. I really recommend it. It's a unique experience. When I went to a small town in Yunlin, I spoke with a grandma. I asked her about her job, which is related to handicrafts. She works 10 hours a day and only makes 150 NT dollars, about 5 US dollars. She works with her hands, and even though she's making so little, she has a great attitude about it. She really enjoys it. So when we talk to people like her, we also get a different perspective on our lives, and sometimes it helps us adjust our attitude a little bit too. If you have time, you can find any grandma in these small towns and talk with her. You'll really learn a lot from her. That was travel expert Rolu sharing his very precious experience traveling and enjoying Taiwan's small towns. And what a great way to travel and to live. I think there's a lot to enjoy all around us wherever we are in the world and whether or not we can travel. But if you ever do want to travel to Taiwan, going to the small towns is something you don't want to miss. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste and the destination Tainan, the 1930s. There are some buildings that come to define an era. In the southern city of Tainan, for instance, when people think of the 1930s, the grand old Hayashi department store comes to mind. When it was opened in 1932, it was the talk of the town. At five stories high, it was the tallest building around, and its triangular facade, jutting out assertively, seemed to be pointing towards the future. Inside were wonders then unheard of in southern Taiwan. The latest fashions, luxury goods, and exotic cuisines all beckoned, and though few could afford the prices, anyone could go in and take a look around. After a long period of neglect, this southern landmark reopened once again as a department store in 2013. While still as imposing as ever though, today's Hayashi department store is probably unlike any department store you've seen before. Joining us this week to talk about Hayashi's past and present is Zheng Pongin, the store's deputy director of planning. By the 1930s, Taiwan had already been under Japanese colonial rule for over 30 years. But it was at this point in the colonial period that Taiwan society saw some of the most dramatic changes yet. This, for the masses at least, became the era of the electric light and the airplane, the telephone and the automobile. New places, called cafes, became centers of social activity. In 1932, the year Hayashi's opened in Tainan, the Columbia Record Company released a movie theme song called Peach Blossom Weeps Tears of Blood. It was Taiwan's first modern popular song pressed into vinyl. Modern, this was the buzzword of the day. And for the people of Tainan, the Hayashi department store defined what that was. Lin Fang Yi 
The Hayashi in the store's name refers to Hayashi Hoichi, a Japanese businessman who joined many others of his generation in leaving his home to seek his fortune in one of Japan's colonies. Born in Yamaguchi Prefecture in 1883, he lost his parents early on and was raised by an aunt and uncle. In 1912, at around the age of 29, he moved on southward to Taiwan. He'd run a delivery company back home, but otherwise had little business experience. Ms. Zheng says that the reason he came to Taiwan is unclear, but research into records from the time shows an especially large number of Japanese from his area arriving in Taiwan. Once on the ground in Taiwan, Hayashi found a mentor, and he set about starting up businesses and making good investments. After some years, he'd made a fortune and was ready for his biggest project yet. 在一九三二年的十二月三号，其实是台湾第一家百货公司，就是台北的剧院。This department store, his great achievement, which bore his name, came very close to being Taiwan's first ever department store. Hayashi's lost that title to the Kikumoto department store, which opened up north in Taipei just days earlier. Down south in Tainan, though, that fact did nothing to lessen how impressive Hayashi's creation was. Its first floor sold tobacco, alcohol, and imported sweets from Japan and beyond. The second floor had children's clothing and bedding. The third, textiles and kimonos, and the fourth, dinnerware, cutlery, and timepieces. As we've said, the fifth floor was the highest vantage point around. But it was exciting for another reason too. Here, up above the rest of the city, were two restaurants. One featured strange and exotic Western cuisine, while the other was a cafe and tea room, the height of fashion. All of this may not impress us very much, but at the time, it dazzled. The store even had that most rare and modern of things: an elevator. 如果你可以表现得非常非常的好，然后妈妈帮你买一个文具，或者是 at the department store's reopening in 2013, those who still recalled the store's earliest days gushed about the place they remembered. A meal in one of the fifth-floor restaurants, for example, was a great extravagance, something that might set the average person back by a whole month's salary. For many people, buying anything at all here was out of the question. Though Ms. Zheng says that a few parents might buy a piece of clothing or stationery to reward exceptionally well-behaved children. At the reopening, one woman said she still had a present her parents had bought her at the store years and years ago. The store's goods were the sort of thing worth treasuring. The department store quickly made its way into local popular culture. The store's elite associations made it a place where the crust of local society, doctors and lawyers mainly, arranged to meet up with one another. Ms. Zheng says the store appears in important works of Taiwanese literature from the period, and there was a fashionable saying that circulated around Tainan. Don a straw hat, put on the indoor slippers. And ride the elevator. It's the greatest pleasure on earth. Hayashi himself never saw how successful his great project became. Hayashi fell ill and died up in Taipei just five days after the store opened. 
林百货长达十几年的百货荣景，好、哦，都其实是由他太太来做一个。The department store became instead something Hayashi's wife worked to manage. With her work and the work of others, the store continued to capture local imaginations and transformed local tastes. However, its heyday lasted less than 15 years. In 1945, at the close of the Pacific War, Allied bombing left the building damaged. Before the year was out, the war had ended, and so had Japanese rule on Taiwan. The Republic of China government, which took control of Taiwan after the war, had other ideas about how to use the building. Anti-aircraft positions were placed on the roof, and over several decades, the building housed offices. Inside was the government salt monopoly and the salt police that enforced it. Later, there was also a more ordinary police unit there. In the end, though, the building was abandoned and left to squatters. 在一九九八年作为市定古迹之后，实际上 ，It was only in 1998 that the building was declared a city heritage site and turned over to the Tainan city government. And later, in 2010, a three-year refurbishment project got underway. At first, there was a variety of ideas about what to do with the building. Some suggested that a museum or exhibition space might be best. But Hayashi's was a department store, and some felt that it should be a department store once again. Since 2013, the Koche Development Company has indeed turned the building back into a store. But one that serves just to reflect the city of Tainan. 过去人们在这里是看见外面的世界。我们希望现在是让世界各地的朋友透过林百货来认识台南。Ms. Zhang says the idea of the original store had been to open the eyes of local people to a wider world. But in the new store, the management would instead open the eyes of the world to Tainan. Each of its floors are now filled with local products and handicrafts. Accessories, fragrances, and so forth. Some made in shops that are at least as old as the original Hayashi's. The fifth-floor restaurant now serves not foreign fare but local cuisine. Meanwhile, though, all of the original elegant fixtures have been restored or reconstructed, down to the arrow pointing out what floor the elevator has reached. It's a place the Hayashi family can still be proud of, and indeed, the family still remembers the place. Early in 2013, when the revived store reopened its doors, Hayashi Hoichi's daughter-in-law flew back to Taiwan to see the place again. The Hayashi Building is no longer the tallest in the neighborhood, but it still outshines all the rest. Now boldly lit up at night, it is the striking kind of building that just isn't built anymore—a piece of glamour from another era that's become a piece of Southern Taiwan's heritage. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. If you had to sell Taipei as a tourist destination, how would you sell it? Well, we have a lot of great food, beautiful scenery, a lot of friendly people. Mm-hmm. Do you think of nature? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't usually think of nature. I、nope. think of it as a big city.、Um, so actually, there's this brand new trail which is called Taipei Grand Trail. It's a hiking trail, 
and it's going to be featured in a National Geographic program this weekend. Check it out. A 92-kilometer hike, this is the Taipei Grand Trail. The mountains of Taipei are home to incredible ancient forests. The Taipei Grand Trail is 92 kilometers long. It travels through the mountains that surround Taipei. You can do the hike in one go, but even better, it's split into seven sections, easily accessible by public transport, and each section can be completed in a day. One-third of the trail is located in Yangmingshan National Park. It links some of Taipei's most popular scenic spots with places of cultural interest. To promote the Taipei Grand Trail, the city government reached out to National Geographic. It took director Yang Shou-yi and celebrity couple Cindy Chen and Benjamin Wong a year and three months to explore the trail's hidden gems and capture the different seasons on camera. Taipei Mayor Koenja has himself walked the trail to experience a beautiful perspective of Taipei that few people have yet to see. The mayor says he hopes the video will introduce the beauty of Taipei, especially to foreign tourists. The Taipei Grand Trail documentary is set to air on the National Geographic Channel on December 12th at 10 p.m. Taiwan time. It will broadcast simultaneously in over 30 Asian countries. country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. RTI, exercise for your mind. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.